Hi, everyone. I'm Kara Scott, and welcome to The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 Poker, a podcast that looks into the personal side of the poker personalities that we often see on our screens. Now, I use a modified list of the questions from the 36 Questions to Fall in Love study developed about 25 years ago by psychologists as part of an experiment to see if they could make total strangers fall in love with a kind of shortcut for getting to know someone on a deeper level fast. My guest this time is no stranger to the screen, whether that's at the poker tables or through his popular poker vlog. One of the original bloggers for this game, Johnny Moreno, aka Johnny Vibes, has been a professional cash game player for well over a decade, with his YouTube videos picking up tens of thousands of views. And he's part of this incredibly strong, supportive poker crew as well, you know, part family, part friends that have this incredible vibe that I'm really fascinated by. So thank you so much for coming on, Johnny. I don't think we've really had a chance to speak that much before. No, thank you so much for having me. And as someone who's been around poker for 15 years, I obviously know who you are. You, you know, you've been on ESPN, you've been a vocal, prominent person within poker. So it is great Hmm. to finally talk to you in person. Yeah, absolutely. And like I was saying, I have a real fascination for this incredibly tight knit group that you have. And like I said, you know, part family, obviously, brother, sister-in-law, wife, and and then a lot of your friends as well and that kind of crew. How important is having that kind of a, like a base in poker? I mean, it's for me to even be here today playing poker 15 years later after I first started playing. Mm. Well, first of all, even getting into poker, I would have never gotten into poker if it wasn't for my brother, Andrew Moreno, Mm -hmm. who is uh, still a high level poker player, professional poker player who's shifted his sights on tournaments more recently. And his wife, Christy Arnett, they just had such an immense passion for the game Yeah, at a time where I knew nothing about the game. I had already graduated from college and I was writing software and my little brother was sleeping um you know in our second bedroom i had a i had a condo huh. in fort wayne indiana and he was just playing poker all night every night <laughs> met, met christy and they were just loving the game so much i would come home they would t- tell me all about it tell me how much in love with the game they were and how it was beatable and all these things you know i thought <laughs> it was gambling and yeah it's crazy like they got me into the game and here 15 years later me still being in the game it's 100% because of the support system i've had because of how much passion they've had for the game mm. and there's times where you know i've perhaps like felt stagnant in my career plateaued or felt not as much energy or passion towards playing the game and they kind of just bring me back into it with their mm. passion and how they're growing and how they're learning. So, yeah, 100%, I wouldn't have gotten into the game without them and I wouldn't still <laughs> be here today without them. Yeah. And in terms of like industries, we work in a really interesting, strange, fascinating, fun, freedom-loving, but also uh, I, like there are definitely downsides to poker, especially like for someone like me, I found myself really having to find discipline where I didn't have to before. Like before I was working in television, you know, 20 years ago, I was a teacher. It was all about discipline. I knew when I had to wake up. I knew when I went to work. I knew exactly which lesson plans to write. And then I got involved in poker and I really had to find my own discipline. Um, Do you find that having that kind of a crew, other people that really understand what you're doing and, and what you're going through helps with that? Yeah, definitely. Because Mm. we're all three different people, even though we share the same heart in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So we have our, we're all dynamic in our own ways. And 
I'm definitely the older brother, more responsible, more calculated. <laughs> that shows up in my poker game as well. You know, that's I, I, why I generally stick to cash rather than tournaments because mm-hmm. I don't have that gambling thing as much inside me. I had to kind of learn it. Mm-hmm. My little brother's more reckless. He's more fearless and he's more doesn't think about, you know, um, the, he doesn't have the fear that I have in a lot of yeah. ways. Um, so, and Christy is a balance, you know, she, she helps <laughs> us communicate, all three of us communicate. She's just really excellent with that. So yeah, yeah. um, I would say the discipline part came easy for me mm-hmm. and, um, the, the gambling part was tough for me. So like I said, we're all three different in our different ways and it's helped us along this path for sure. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Like what comes first for people who get into poker, like the, that kind of instinct towards gambling and risk-taking or, you know, having to push against your own sort of sense of discipline. Cause I also had a bit of that, like having to figure out how to be aggressive when Mm -hmm. I had never, I mean, I worked in martial arts before, but in my kind of personal and professional life, I'd never really been that aggressive. And I had to kind of figure that out. And whenever I teach people who are new to poker, especially women and like business people in particular, people who should be so aggressive in their, like their business career, their CEOs, their like high powered individuals, they limp more than anyone I've ever seen, (laughs) you know, in poker. And it's funny, like having to find that piece of yourself And that's one of the things that I love about poker. So in terms of what poker has brought into your life, is there kind of anything else like that where it's really taught you some lessons? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think that poker can be, if you really take a look at it, can be a mirror for your life in so Mm. many ways. And it happens so quickly. Like you come face to face with immense loss in a matter of a couple hours, or you come face to face with your biggest win in one day. And how do you, how, how does that uh-huh. like affect your life? You know? So we get to practice all of these. It, it, I really think it's just like one of the best tools for personal growth and development, yeah. but so many people don't look at it that way. <laughs> they just get caught <laughs> up in the, in the day to day of it. But yeah, I mean, I've grown so much as a person just from dealing with the ups and downs of poker for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Well, for you, what would you say is your, like your North star, the thing that on a daily basis kind of keeps you on track in terms of where you want your life to go, helps you make your decisions? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I I think that as someone who first, when I first got into the game, I didn't really have that North star. It was more, I wanted to have some freedom in my life and, Mm. and, you know, try something new and exciting. And then, you know, when you're so far down this one path, you you kind of lose sight. Wait, I'm supposed to be doing this because I wanted more freedom, but now I'm a slave <laughs> to the poker table and now I'm a slave to my win rate. Mm. And now every time I'm taking a vacation, I'm thinking that I'm losing $100 an hour or whatever yeah. it is. So, yeah, like I said, <laughs> back on the personal growth, I had to kind of reevaluate like what my North Star is over and over and over again. And today I think my North Star is being with my family and friends and mm-hmm. not feeling like I am a slave to mm-hmm. the circumstances of life. So I'm constantly reevaluating that and I'm always trying to mix in things that are fun for me, which is why the vlog came up. You know, I learned how to DJ. I started learning so how cool. to use Photoshop and Illustrator because I wanted to be a designer for for the clothes that I was yeah. for the merch that I was making for my for my uh, YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just constantly trying to do things that are curious for me and fun and be with family and friends. 
Yeah. So you've been doing this for you know a long time, really now. Uh, in terms, yeah, of I've been poker. playing poker for fifteen years and yeah. uh, making content for almost six years now. Gosh, do you ever go back and watch your earlier vlogs and your <laughs> earlier work? And what do you think of that? Because I struggle with that. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I so I'm not like a natural t- camera talent. I'm more of an introvert, and uh-huh. I remember I was in the process of doing some personal growth development work. Uh, through a class that Olga and I had done together, my wife. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that came up for me is that I really cared about what people thought about me. Right. I was always kind of in the background and the shadows because I didn't want people to notice me. I didn't. It just It's just like my natural in, introvert self. So mm. one of the things that came up for me was I should do something where that's way outside of my comfort zone. That's going to improve my public speaking. That's going to be a creative outlet for me. And mm-hmm. what this is the thing that I know the most in my it's my professional career. This is the thing that's easiest for me to talk about. So let's learn how to speak on camera. Let's learn how to create videos. And when I first started doing <laughs> that, it was just so foreign to me. I was looking at the camera and I was speaking to the camera like I was on a job interview. Like right. I, like I was nervous talking to someone like a potential employer or something. Yeah. But really now the goal of that w- has become to treat the person, treat the camera like they're just another friend. Right. And I think when I can do that, my personality comes through on the camera. People can feel like they connect with me and I build a, a relationship with the audience that way. So yeah, I just started as something trying to get to, get outside of my comfort zone, something that could give me like some growth in my life and some development, uh, a little creative outlet. And yeah, those first videos, I, <laughs> I was so monotone and just didn't know what to say and nervous. And But the other thing was, I never thought anybody was going to watch any of these videos. So mm. it was like, I'm going to upload this, you know, maybe a couple hundred people will see it around the world. It's not going to be a big deal. Maybe some <laughs> family and friends will see it. Uh, but yeah, they, you know, tens of thousands of people started watching. Some of my videos have 150,000 views. Incredible. So yeah, I, I never really thought that it would turn into this, but now I feel great, comfortable. Yeah. I don't have that social anxiety quite as much anymore with mm-hmm. uh, meeting new people. So it has been a net positive in so many ways for me. Hmm. Like when we talk about poker now and the kind of poker media space, poker media, you know, like once upon a time for a lot of it, it was poker news and high stakes poker and the world series of poker and, you know, some of those kind of major shows, but now the real kind of poker media is, uh, streaming, it's vlogging, it's kind of being in the like Twitter spaces as well. All of that. What is it like being in this as it changes, as it kind of morphs into the more like we all yeah. get to have a voice kind of Yeah, we're kind media. of seeing the we're kind of seeing the democratization of media yeah. across the board, you know, like even the big networks, CNN, Fox, yeah. all these, they, uh, they're getting supplanted by people on Twitter who mm-hmm. can make one video on Twitter and may leave more, uh, of an impact than a news network can. So yeah, yeah it's crazy how it shifted. And I never thought that I would be a part of it. You know, I never, you know, the poker media was always built around tournament poker and I, right. I was never a tournament player. Just was trying to grind out my living uh, peacefully and have some freedom playing cash games. And then mm-hmm. once I started creating content, 
It is kind of like a drug in a weird way. When people give you positive validation and they tell you like, we want to see more. It's like, I feel this like feeling of winning. Oh, I'm actually doing something that's like affecting people. And people are walking up to me and saying, I saw your one video and it really gave me a lot of perspective on my own life. And I just want to thank you. And like when people come up to you and say those types of things, it really is fuel for me, creative fuel to keep doing this and keep creating. And while I do strategize some on like, how can I get more people to watch? You know, how do I design my thumbnail better? Mm -hmm. How do I have a better intro? How do I engage people better? It's mostly just one foot in front of the other, having fun. And then here we are, you know, five and a half years later. And I actually do have a voice. Like if I, I I have a say in like, you know, what I think is right and wrong in our industry. And that's, that's pretty neat. It really is. Um, so from your perspective as well, I, I don't want to ask you kind of about controversy. It's not really what we do here <laughs> on this podcast, but like what you would like to see this space kind of move towards or or how you would like to see the next change in terms of poker media and poker, kind of the publicity of poker. Uh, yeah. One of the things that's been bothering me a little bit is I've noticed that what works with uh, attention on social media is mm. controversy. Yeah. Uh, and like the whole like WWE style of calling <laughs> people out and telling people that saying other person's a scammer and yeah. all these like negative things. And I've actually kind of retreated a little bit. I've been tweeting less. I've been um, just participating less in discussions because it doesn't, I don't like it and I, and, and yeah. I don't want to be a part of it. So yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I the only thing I can really do is lead by example. You know, mm-hmm. I if I don't like that type of content, I I don't like the way that the industry is uh, portraying itself. Then the only thing I can really do is I can speak up a little bit. But I think what's best for me and what's best for my personal energy mm-hmm. is to just lead by example and not participate in the the dragging and the negativity that is so common with uh, the attention seeking nowadays. Yeah. And I mean, I did notice that uh, kind of recently on, on social media and some of the things that you've posted and said, and, and I appreciate that. I, you're not the only person certainly who has felt like taking a step backwards because I don't know for myself, I'm not really equipped in a lot of ways to kind of, um, wade into the, into the arena and kind of slug it out. And it's really not, you know, it's not who I am. And I will say things and I'll, I'll be vocal when I need to, but man, I find mm-hmm. that whole thing really kind of a lot, <laughs> kind of yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, when pe- when you do speak up, people listen because mm-hmm. you don't speak up that often. So when yeah. you do, people are like, oh, wow, I should really listen to what Kara's saying. The ah, same crap. thing happened with Christy. <laughs> she wrote like this long Twitter message yes. about, uh, about something that Phil Galfon had written. And, you know, Christy doesn't speak that much on Twitter about yeah. poker related topics or any of your topics really. So when she did finally say something, people listen. So absolutely, I may do that every once in a while, but I mostly just um, want to protect my own energy and, and uh, live my life in the way that I feel is like most healthy for myself. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. We're going to dive into some of these other questions here. Um, let's see, let's start with this one. Do you believe in love at first sight? Uh, no, not really. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I do believe in, um, you know, those sparks, those Mm -hmm. butterflies, that feeling, but 
you know, I've been with my wife for 12 years and love is such a complicated process of building vulnerable trust with the other person. And, you know, after 12 years, I confidently can say that I I love my wife more than I did on the first day that I met her. It's just grown Mm. and grown and grown, you know? And, uh, yeah, so I think that to love it for say that love at first sight is like discrediting how the depths of what like love is and how, um, how hard it is to really achieve that, Mm. um, that greatness, you know? That is the loveliest no I've ever had to that question. I gotta say, (laughs) I like that a lot. Um, okay. Well, how about this? Are you a singer? When was the last time you sang either to someone else or to yourself? Um, not really. I sing in the car. Um, I'm, I'm not a good singer and I will sing like along to songs. I'm a big Rufus DeSoul fan Ah. and we just went to a Rufus DeSoul show and I was, I would say screaming out the lyrics, you know, (laughs) rather than singing. It's just, they make such beautiful music. So at the festival, yeah, I was singing out loud and, uh, it is a freeing thing and I, I'm huge into music. I, I always love dancing and I DJ and I dabble mm-hmm. in like creating mashups in Ableton. So I'm a music person, but not a gifted singer at all. Mm-hmm. Letting the people who are truly talented do their thing and appreciating it. That's what I do too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you sound like a person who has a lot of really wonderful things in their life. What do you feel the most grateful for? Uh, my, my inner circle, my, my, you know, like Andrew Christie, my wife, Mm -hmm. um, I would say that I'm, like I said, I'm an introvert. So if I didn't choose the wife that I chose, I probably would just never leave the house. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect choice then. (laughs) I would have never worked as hard in my poker career because, you know, it makes you accountable to someone else bigger than yourself. Mm. I would have never um, been out of my comfort zone as much as I have, you know, without Andrew, I would have never worked as hard in poker as well. Without Christy, I wouldn't have had like the deep, meaningful introspection that I've had in so many topics. So yeah, mm. I'm most grateful. I think that was the original question for my yeah. inner circle. Yeah. It's funny because not everyone has, um, it doesn't come naturally for families to be that close. I mean, even siblings, what do you think it is that you guys, are you putting the work into it? Is it just the way that you were raised? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. So Mm. what happened when I was young was, uh, we had a pretty unstable living condition and I never went to the same school for two years in a row. So we like moved a lot Mm -hmm. and, one of the the main constants while I was moving was my little brother because we were only two years apart. Yeah, and he was my best friend wherever we went. You know, I uh, we mm. moved to a new school. We still had each other to play basketball with. We still had each other to you know uh, play baseball with and things mm. like that. Uh, a catching partner, you know. Uh, <laughs> we of course we argued and stuff, but I think that those early years of us really relying on each other built a very strong bond that carried over into adulthood. And as an older brother and someone that just naturally feels inclined to take care of people, Mm. it just worked so well. Our relationship just worked so well. It's crazy today because he's turned into such a wise person and like Mm. thoughtful person that it's kind of shifted a little bit where now we're definitely peers. Um, I'm not like overseeing how he lives his life anymore and I'm not Mm -hmm. like giving him all this advice. And he's actually, you know, taken me under his wing in a lot of ways, which is so crazy to think about because of 
the roles in our life have been so yeah. different. What a lovely turnaround. And it must be for him as well. There's something about, because I'm the, a younger sibling as well, and to be able to kind of reach out to the older sibling sometimes is just a really special gift that gets yeah. given to the younger sibling even, I think. Yeah. He, yeah. he got married first. He had a kid first. He climbed higher in poker faster than I did. So yeah, there was just all of these things where, you know, I was the one that was the uh, achiever and he was mm -hmm. the one that was kind of always under my wing, but it just, yeah, it switched and it's, it's been really cool. Nice. Is there anything that you would change about the way that you were raised? No, not at all. I, <sighs> I, I just feel like it's like all part of the experience of in creating who you are today. And like today, I just feel so at peace and so happy with how things are going. Yeah. The unknown of like, what if things would have been different? What if I would have um, had these other opportunities that I just, you, you don't know what you don't know. And what I currently mm -hmm. know is that I'm very happy and so to think about changing anything that could have a butterfly effect that would make it so that I'm not here in this spot today. Because when you really think about it, like the way that life works out is so massively just crazy. Like yeah. the fact that I even uploaded that first video, the fact that I am married to my wife who grew up in a rural town in Russia while I was in a wow. rural town in Arizona and we somehow met in Las Vegas, you know, like <laughs> it's just all these crazy coincidences that if you change one little thing along the way, like my life could look completely different. And I'm just so happy with how things are now. Yeah. What do you think you want most out of life? Like when you get to the end of your life, what would make you think, yeah, I really did that right? I've been having this internal dialogue a lot recently because I feel like in poker, I don't really get to leave a lasting legacy that mm -hmm. really affects the world. You know, being good at poker is like not really that compelling of a, of a thing for general humanity, you know, and okay, yeah. you know, creating videos has helped because the way that I message my videos is, uh, it, it transcends poker and it really, uh, it speaks to how you should, how I feel like living life is the best way to live life. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's still not enough for me. So I've been, I've been thinking a lot about that. I do want to, um, you know, build some sort of lasting legacy so that, you know, when I'm, when I'm not here anymore, you know, things that I put out into this world are still living on in some way, whether that's, you know, I, I, and I just don't know what that is right now. Yeah. I, I've dabbled with some ideas and I, I don't want to, to say them out on the podcast because I, I hate it when people say that they're going to do something and don't follow through. So, <laughs> yeah. but I, I have some ideas on, you know, what I want to do to build a bigger legacy for the future generations. Yeah. What do you think is your greatest accomplishment so far then? Uh, oh, this is a tough one because yeah. really I, in some ways I don't really feel like I've accomplished that much. You know, I, huh. I've, I have built like a life that is, um, that I feel really great about and I get to, to, that's a hell uh, of a thing that really, yeah. Is. And that is a great accomplishment. <laughs> and then like the, the marriage that I've built, that's a huge yeah. accomplishment as well. And just the, the life path that I've taken, I feel like those are huge accomplishments, but in terms of like what you would put on a scoreboard, like, mm. I guess those are great, but, I, um, 
I, I don't see any like massive accomplishments. Like I don't have the WSOP bracelets. Like I, I'm not like the most prolific content creator in the space. I mm-hmm. don't have any huge tournament wins. I don't play the highest stakes. So from a purely keeping score standpoint in the materialistic world, I don't feel like I've accomplished a ton, but from the intrinsic value of how I feel about my life, I do feel like I've accomplished a ton and it's mostly built around the way I live my life and the quality of relationships I have around me. Yeah. It's interesting when we look at how we judge our own lives and how the world judges our lives in terms of success and what kind of counts and what doesn't even make it to the ledger, like what there's just no space for. (laughs) And yeah, you know, I I spoke with um, Jamin Burton a few months ago. I was lucky to, and a great guy. And he said something very similar in terms of like, that's kind of like those accomplishments, those poker accomplishments just haven't happened yet. But having all of this wonderful feeling about what you've already done in your life in terms of your personal life and the choices you make, that there's something so fundamental about that to me in mm-hmm. terms of a happy life where you could be ticking off all of the bracelets and everything and really not have that happy life. It's yeah, funny totally. what we think is success, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, Yeah. It's a, I don't know this, I guess it's a lifelong kind of journey towards trying to figure out what success means. And Mm -hmm. for all of us, really, it's a, it can be a difficult one to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same token, I am proud of what I've built within poker and, you know, I, I think it helps drive me to achieve higher is, you know, like not thinking that I've arrived in any way. Yeah, absolutely. Man, poker is so difficult to make you think you've arrived. I think (laughs) (laughs) like it changes so fast. The game changes so fast. Um, You know, you take a little bit of time off and boom, you are rusty. And uh, there's always other people out there. So especially tournament poker, it can like, it can make you think that you're a God one week and the next week (laughs) you don't even know if you even know how to play poker anymore. Yeah, that's very true. I've spoken to some amazing, like some of the top tournament players in the world. And even they say like that whole thing about if you take time off, you're looking at it in terms of what are you losing because of your win rate? Cause you're not playing, but also when you go back, how much time you're going to have lost in terms of your game. And you know, that's a, it's a lot. There aren't very many careers where it's almost 24 seven and all the time and seven days a week and, and holidays don't really count. So it's yeah. an interesting one that we've chosen for ourselves. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I so, would actually love to, I would love to be a, um, a part-time poker player. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like actually my goal, you know, because, you know, 15 years deep, it's, it does get really tiring trading your time for money. And, you know, I'm moving oh, into my forties yeah. now, you know, my wife and I are going to have a kid. I, I've just really thought about the big picture a lot more and, you know, it's been like, I'm not definitely not retiring from poker, you know, right, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, just being more selective about how I trade my time for money for sure. Yeah. There's so much to be learned from poker. Like we said, right at the very beginning, and you mentioned how it is a great life teacher and there's something in that too, that kind of personal satisfaction that comes from it. But I mean, I'd love a bracelet. I'll be honest. Of course. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love a bracelet. Um, so is there anything out there that you've dreamed about doing for a really long time, but you have not done yet, especially as you're saying, you know, there's a baby coming. <laughs> is there anything that you kind of, you guys need to sneak in before that happens? Um, nothing that I really need to sneak, sneak in, but, um, I do, 
I have always, once I started making money, I've have always like dreamed of creating some sort of business with mm-hmm. my with my wife or family where I do not have to go play poker all the time to rely on putting food on the table. So it's kind of been this thing in the back of my mind where because I, I kind of learned the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I was I was working as a software developer. And then when I started playing poker, I was like, okay, can I actually support myself enough to put food on the table, to live a life, to have some freedom in my life? And then once I started doing that, it was like a proof of concept. Oh, okay. Like I can actually rely on myself to make money. And then it was like, okay, Mm. can I do some things to manage this poker more like a business? Okay. Let's start creating a schedule and, you know, waking up at certain times. Okay. Now let's stake someone and coach them and Mm. see if I can make some money on the side. Okay. Now I'm a manager. Now I'm setting vacation hours. Now I'm (laughs) working contracts. So it's been this like baby step process, you know, oh, now I'm building a business around YouTube to go from someone that had no entrepreneurial background to someone now in my forties, like thinking about all these ideas and like, oh, let's build a business around this. And Mm. yeah, so it's, it's been a slow process, but I I do really want to have, you know, some thriving businesses someday. So like, you know, be interviewed by, I don't know, like entrepreneurial magazine for like some business I created, you know, that's definitely a goal, a dream of mine for sure. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Okay, here's a question that's more of a hypothetical. So work with me on this one. If there is a crystal ball that could tell you the truth about anything, about yourself, your life, the future, the past, anything you would want to know, what would you ask it? Oh, um, well, I don't really want to know too much about the future because it's <laughs> the beauty is in kind of being surprised and like yeah. the the excitement of like what comes next. I, I know that my wife and I really love to travel. And I think one of the reasons why we love it is the adventure of it. Like we, we don't necessarily love the actual travel. We just love the adventure of like seeing new things, experiencing new places, Mm. you know? And so I don't want the adventure to be taken away from me by this crystal ball. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Um, But um, in terms of the past, I, I'd love to see my grandpa again. I feel like he was taken from me too quickly. Um, and I didn't really get to spend as much time as I would have liked for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Another hypothetical here. If you could wake up having gained any quality or ability kind of superhuman or just human, what would it be? Um, I think that there is a, there like people always say, I don't care what people think about me. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought that too until like people started saying bad things about me. Yeah. <laughs> you put yourself out there and then man, yeah. they really they comment. I'm like, wow, I actually it was like a wake up call. I was like, wow, I actually do care what people huh. think about me. And then it was an examination of why do I care? Like do I believe mm. some of these certain things about myself? So I think that yeah, the 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 greatest quality that I could really instill in myself is have the confidence to you know, know that like you mentioned, like your North star and like who I am as a person doesn't get like shattered or wavered mm-hmm. by what other people are saying about me. Cause I think it is a, a really true, uh, gift of enlightenment to just like be so confident in yourself that, mm. you know, while you, while you take feedback from others, it doesn't 
affect your your um, energy and your um, confidence. So yeah. yeah, not caring as much about what people think. <sighs> that's a big one. I hadn't really mm-hmm. considered that one, but I think that's going to go on my list as well. When I was first starting out in uh, poker television, and I'd been working in TV for a few years at that point, but poker was a very different thing. And I started out by being on like a cable TV show where I was a novice and I had to play online and have people kind of email in <laughs> and talk about mm. my play. And it was, mm. it was brutal. Um, <laughs> and I remember my best friend at the time who was my poker coach also told me that I should only listen to feedback from people who I would go to for advice. And I was like, oh, that's good. Like, and he's like, a lot of these people, I mean, you don't even know them. You have no idea. If you would yeah. go to them for advice, then yeah, listen to their feedback, but don't take it from absolutely everybody because it, it'll drown you, especially, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing anything publicly. And that helped. Yeah. It didn't fix it by any means, but it definitely helped, I found. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. That that one, that one, that part of it wasn't as tough for me because I had already been playing for a living for 10 years yeah. before I started making content. And when I did start making content, the people that were watching it were uh, more novice type players. Right. So if they said something about my play, those things don't bother <laughs> me. What's What's weird is that when somebody says something about you and you feel like an inkling, like there might be an inkling of truth to it. Mm. Obviously, it's not like a full truth. I feel like that's when it like really hurts. It's like, and, and it can be good for like, you know, giving yourself constructive feedback as well. But true. a lot of times people say things in a malicious way. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of dividing it so you can take some of the good out of it and be like, okay, that's highlighting that this is definitely an area that's Mm -hmm. kind of sensitive for me. So maybe I need to look into it without actually just kind of taking on a truckload of garbage. You know, what's crazy is uh, YouTube actually diagnosed me with anemia. No. (laughs) I I was getting (laughs) a couple of comments on my videos that said that I looked sick and that I had dark circles under my eyes. And I just thought it was haters and I was ignoring those comments or whatever. There wasn't that many of them, but for, for sure, I, when they comment on your physical appearance, I, I look at that and I'm like, hmm, probably just a huh. hater. And then, you know, a couple months later, I got the blood work and I was like severely anemic. They were like, wow. I don't know how you're walking around right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, YouTube. And just like flashback to YouTube. I'm like, wait, these per- people, maybe they weren't hating. Maybe they're just giving me feedback. <laughs> they were being helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Wow. All right. Let's go to the last set of questions. There's actually three sets of questions. We've been kind of steadily moving our way through. This one is complete this sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share what? So it could be like hobbies or thoughts or I don't know, really anything. Is there any kind of like empty space in your life where you wish you had someone you could share a certain thing with? For me, it would be probably tabletop gaming. I live in Slovenia now. I just moved here not very long ago, and I don't really have a circle of people. Yeah. So that is definitely something I'm missing personally. Yeah, I would say that because I'm an introvert, I sometimes I have these people, and I'm just like, you know, not reaching out to them, which is mm, yeah, which is silly, you know, because like one thing that I'm really taking an interest in right now is um, music production. Uh-huh. I've always just loved music and making an actual song it just feels so daunting and hard you know I I watch YouTube tutorials and I've tried like creating sounds and putting them together in melodies and harmonies and it's just so difficult for someone that's not classically musically trained at all Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I wish, I guess if we're saying, going down this path, I would say I wish I had someone who was like a music producer Yeah, that um, I could like, you know, bounce off ideas with and talk music with and they could like take me under their wing. You know, it's weird because I'm I'm friends with actually one of the most talented DJs in the entire world. Wow, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. Like, I, his name is Zed. Mm-hmm. And but I like I never talked to him about this stuff. Like we <laughs> DJ together sometimes at like little after parties, but I'm never like, will you show me how to make a song? Because it just feels like I don't want to be a burden. And he's so busy, yeah. you know, like. So I wish I yeah had someone that was like um, more on my level that shared this level of the right. excitement for creating music. Yeah, well, I get it. So does he play poker? Does he, he does. want to play poker? poker I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> you guys can trade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Um, when was the last time you cried either by yourself or in front of another person? Mm. Well, I mean, I teared up when I was talking about my grandpa like 15 yeah. seconds ago or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think that counts. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say that it's weird because in poker, I'm not emotional at all. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just very even killed. Like things happen at the table. It almost feels like I'm dead inside. Like I feel it there, but like I only feel it for a short amount of time and I move through it very quickly. But when it comes to like family and friends and my dog. Okay. Actually, I remember the last time I like ugly cried was mm. um, there was a post on Twitter about a dog oh, on Instagram about that. My wife forwarded me about a dog in Los Angeles that was going to be get put down. And it was a German oh. shepherd. And I started tweeting about it. Can anybody take this dog? You know, I live in a high rise. I already have a dog. I, I can't take a second dog. It was a big German shepherd. And they're, you know, they're going to euthanize this dog at 4 p.m. today. And I just like started calling everyone at like 10 Mm. in the morning when I found out about this. I spent like, you know, a solid six hours just trying to find someone to take this dog. And when it felt like I wasn't going to get it done, I just like broke down. I was like, I can't save this dog. Like there's nothing I can do. And um, I eventually some people because people on Twitter like picked up the story and they tried to find someone to take the dog and uh, supposedly the dog was adopted in the last hour but i haven't had an update yet this was pretty recent right. i've been reaching out trying to find out who the the person that adopted it was so yeah i would say that um animal like especially dogs have a real like soft spot for me and just life and death in general like really mm. messes me up bad um, yeah anytime like someone close to me dies or a pet dies that's just always been the hardest thing for me. Yeah, that is a tough one. And it's funny because I, I now I have a four-year-old and we spent a lot of her early childhood on a farm and there's a lot of death on a farm. Like mm-hmm. the dogs find a group of kittens and kill them or like mm-hmm. birds die and you see them. And like, it's it's obvious, like she knows what death is. And she's only just recently started asking me about it. And last night she was asking me, you know, what happens if, if I go, she doesn't want to be there without me. And I was just like, Oh my God, how do I, even, oh. how do you even talk about these things with kids? Like yeah. I'm going to go away and read an enormous amount of books and get a lot of, you know, good advice on this because she just wants the truth. And yeah. it's about trying to find that like age appropriate truth where it's still the truth. And I feel really strongly about telling my child the truth about everything. Like she knows that there's no Santa Claus and 
that we can yeah. pretend it is true and that's totally fine. But you know, I'm not, I, I don't like to lie to her. It's just a personal thing. Yeah. But yeah, the, the whole death thing is, it's a tough one for adults. How do you even teach that to a child? Yeah. Or maybe if I we teach them know. when they're kids, then it's easier when they're adults. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, inevitably she'll deal with, you know, one of her favorite dogs dying or something yeah. like that. So it'll come up along the way. But that's one of those things where I feel like you can't, you can't intellectually teach someone how to deal with no. something so emotionally scarring. I think so. You got to let them feel their emotions. And that's what mm -hmm. everybody really says. Like, it's okay. She'll have to be sad. But, you know, she saw a dead bird one day and she asked me about it. And I said, well, it will eventually decay and it'll go back into the earth and it'll provide food for, you know, worms and trees and plants and everything. So it does go on and it does become part of new things and new life comes out of it. And that's really amazing. And she's like, but it doesn't get to be that bird anymore. Like, damn. All right, four-year-old. <laughs> this That's philosophy so for you. I know. Just like, geez, <laughs> thinking about things more deeply than I am. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a trip, man. Best of luck. And I hope you like super enjoy it. I know that, like you said, your brother and sister-in-law have a, a little one as well. So mm -hmm. you got lots of people around to give lots of advice, I imagine. Um, okay. How about this? How, what's your biggest fear? I, we're just going to stay right on the death train. I, oh boy. <laughs> I, I am, you know, that's always been one that's tough for me, um, is, is death. Like yeah, just the people closest to me and around me, that's probably the thing that consumes me the most in terms of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's the thing that I like try to stick, you know, steer my mind away from. Um, it's the, the darkest holes that I crawl into are around like worrying about family members dying or, or a pet yeah. dying or things like that. So I would be lying if I gave some other answer other than, you know, the biggest answer of it all is life and death. Yeah. Yeah. It's truthful. It's truthful. And I appreciate that. And I can completely relate. Yeah. Well, we have actually reached our final question. So thank you so far for this. And the, the last one, it's not quite so deep and, and meaningful, but I mean, it might be your house containing everything you own catches fire. And you have, after saving obviously all of your loved ones, any pets, you have time to make one final dash in to save any one thing, any one item, what would you save and why? Um, well, this is not going to be very deep. I would probably run in and save my cryptocurrency ledgers <laughs> uh, and everyone's going to be answering that now this is a question i'm gonna have to like retire <laughs> uh, so that i can build a new house <laughs> well yeah obviously oh man oh man yep there you go that works <laughs> that works <laughs> Oh, I really appreciate you opening up so much, by the way. Um, it's been a real pleasure to get to know you and to have this chat. So thank you for coming on. It takes a it takes a little bit of um, not bravery, but kind of, especially if you're not someone who kind of naturally is an extrovert. So I, I do really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I had a great time. Thank you. 
I'm glad. I'm really glad. All right. Well, that was everything from us. Thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks everyone who is listening. I hope you all out there feel like you know the person behind the cards and behind the screen even better now. So join me next time, please, on the Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 Poker.